Good evening, boxing fans. This is a Rattledgeon Broadcasting Network TV party tonight. Extra boxing commentary. Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz Jr. Brought to you by DAZN. DAZN. I am your host, the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And joining me tonight, as they always do on these boxing extravaganzas, first, the our lead commentator, our boxing expert extraordinaire, Mr. Toxic Masculinity to you, Patrick Mullen. How deep into your uh, Nargisets are you there, sir? Uh, those are gone. <laughs> when did you start? Uh, I probably... Um, uh, sun was out <laughs> uh, a couple of hours before NXT, sometime between two and five p.m. How, and did you? What was it? A case? A six pack? How many did you have? Uh, I had twelve. Oh my! But there was moonshine and Tito's. So did yeah. You, did you go to a party? <laughs> no. Okay. Just just hanging out with your bad self? Pretty much. Terrific. And our second chair tonight, the spiritual Howard Lederman of our group. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh off his coverage of UFC Gustaf, uh, Gustafsson versus Smith from Sweden. Ikea is from Sweden. I, of course, like meatballs. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. The Last Word to You. Robert Winfrey, how do you do, sir? I mean, that event was just so dull. Anthony, just so dull. Anthony Smith done messed up Gustafson so bad he sent him into retirement. Gustafson's been flirting with the idea of retirement for a while. He said a few times that if he can't be champion, he's probably going to go do something else. And it's one thing to lose to, you know, the John Jones and the Daniel Cormier Jones again, because, you know, Jones and DC are generational talents, if not like once ever. Those are very, very special fighters. But his fire was even a little bit starting to diminish going into the Jones fight, and Jones, you know, beat him up pretty solidly. Uh, I think he's had kind of one foot partially out the door for a while now, and this was just the excuse to finally get it over with. Speaking uh, of one foot out the door, I, like, are we even cl remotely close to fight time here? <laughs> I think we're getting there. I, I I feel like we're we're ready for walkouts any minute now. But one of a fighter could show his presence any minute. You never know. Neither uh, fighter Brian, even has their I gloves see, on. <laughs> yeah, I see Brian Kenny. I see Sergio Mora for some reason. Yeah, he was on that show with Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard. And why are yeah, there flags in the ring, and why is the canvas green? First of all, honestly, like you guys should look up this video on YouTube of Sergio Mora just for your own amusement. He's sparring with like a sixty-seven-year-old Roberto Duran, and Duran is just lighting him up with ease the whole time, and he can't hit him. And Duran's in jeans. It's fantastic. So let, let me oh, say this God. before this goes any further. I have two things I need to say, and I need to get I this need to off my that. chest. Number one, <laughs> I, I think Gustafson up. should learn to wrestle, and then he can show up to the next GCW Bloodsport in 2020 here in Tampa. That's what I think Gustafson should do. With that said, I want to thank Pat for hipping me to Bloodsport. It's my new favorite thing. 
I, it, it was the. I started my morning with this. I got up this morning. I had my bagel with locks because I'm a Jew, and uh, I sat down yeah, and, I put, and I put on the fight app. And I is saw... Duran actually wearing his glasses in this sparring? No, I, no, I can't quite tell that, but yeah, he's in street clothes. And I saw GCW Bloodsport, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport this morning, and it was the start to the best birthday ever. It was just what a wonderful day this has been. All right, back to boxing. So, Pat, if you could uh, sober up for just a moment and tell us. Give yeah, us... good luck with that. Joshua, four inches taller and has eight inches of reach on Ruiz Jr. for yeah, the tail of the tape. This should end quickly. Uh, all right, Pat, give us the, the 50 words or less on this fight. Andrew Ruiz is stepping in as a replacement fighter. Uh, how do you see this one going? What kind of threat does Andy Ruiz represent to the one true heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua? Who's also oh. ducking Deontay Wilder? <laughs> that's a, that's a debatable question about. No, no, okay, okay, allow me to rephrase the. Let me rephrase this the issue there. They they don't want to fight each other, so they're not going to. Uh, well, Deontay Wilder doesn't want to fight Anthony Joshua. Tyson Fury doesn't want to fight Anthony Joshua because Wilder. Anthony Joshua is going to beat the piss out of both. Yeah, no, Wilder, Wilder, apparently Wilder and Fury agreed to a rematch. I, yeah, you just did, you yeah. just stole that from me. Yeah, I was just going to say Deontay Wilder announced on like Twitter today that uh, I think after whatever the next Tyson Fury fight is, which is coming up soon, yeah, uh, some Euro bump. they're going to uh, meet for a second fight sometime in the future, and I'm sure it'll be just as horrible as the first fight. Go ahead, um, let's talk about I'm this sure one. It will. So the threat Andy Ruiz poses is that of a banana peel. <laughs> where if you do not know where you're going and you just flagrantly step in such a direction and there is a banana peel lying there, there's a good chance you will slip and then fall and then potentially hurt yourself. And that banana peel is a heavy set Hispanic man named Andy Ruiz Jr. So not we're... to be confused with John Ruiz who was a heavyweight of many years ago. So what we're saying here is if Anthony Joshua maybe does meth or cocaine or something before the fight or uh, is otherwise distracted, maybe his manager dies right before the fight, something along those lines, he might be a bit distracted and Andy Ruiz could take uh, take advantage. Otherwise, this is... I know have your to... manager dying had you all messed up inside. <laughs> okay, this is hilarious. Duran is... Clearly getting the best of Mora everywhere. Thank you for letting me know this exists. This is oh, so great. For sure. It's such a great video. Like Okay, incidentally. For anybody, ever, for anybody who's ever tried to tell me that Sergio Mora was any type of good, like here's a sixty five year old former lightweight champion just having his way with him, lighting him up in jeans. So fuck you. Wearing a belt. Even if Duran is God, which he is. Uh, no, the only way Joshua, I, I think the best chance Ruiz has is that Anthony Joshua has secretly been married to Courtney Love for like six years, and her constant nagging and just existence has made him suicidal. No, you but mean, if you marry Courtney Love, she murders you. That's right, dude. Cobain killed himself. No, nope. Courtney Love doesn't have the mental capacity to orchestrate a murder. It doesn't take a mental capacity. It takes money and the appropriate redneck, you know, to put the shotgun in his face. Dude, 
He killed himself because he realized how bad his music was and that he'd been just living in this terrible, terrible facsimile of re- drug-induced reality for basically his entire life, and the world was better off. Hey, guys, who's got more, who's got more brains than Kurt Cobain? The, the wall, the floor. <laughs> you should teach that one to my son. He likes corny jokes. Does he? Does he like Frank Bruno, who we're seeing a video of? <laughs> <laughs> I, that's Chris Eubank. So, I don't Her quite eyes. understand why DAZN felt the need to do this because, like, if you're Showtime or HBO, and you know, or you're doing, uh, I don't understand DAZN as a whole because the service sucks. Or you're doing boxing on cable television where you have to sell commercial time, and you're you're into a block of time, so you have to eat up a certain amount of minutes. Okay, so I get the extra packages. This is a streaming service. Can we get the fuck on with this? No, dude. Sucks. You uh, you have clearly not been exposed to that much of the UFC's programming on ESPN Plus. Uh, no, but I did see 106 uh, Toy Story 4 commercials today. The same exact commercial. Yep. Hey, you know what doesn't do that? The fight app. I'm just <laughs> look. I'm just saying ESPN Plus, despite being a premium streaming service runs ads yes it does and it, it, it look it annoys Jeff to no end it annoys me a little bit I mean look it's, it's still also five bucks an hour uh, five, bu- five bucks an hour five bucks a month because the service is terrible <laughs> you know I, I heard an interesting argument about why UFC Fight Pass is still around okay and I think part of the reason was the answer Jews? No. <laughs> Welcome to the Radiolution Broadcasting Network, everyone. No, the answer was that there's a lot of content on Fight Pass that could, that if it were to leave Fight Pass would probably wind up on DAZN. And so they're keeping it around more as a kind of a screw you to this alternate streaming service. <laughs> oh, you you can't have this boxing promotion. You can't have kickboxing or jujitsu tournaments or any of these other things that you might want to diversify your platform with. Cool, look at that. Um, my glass is empty. Oh, God, that, that, that sparring was so great. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. Uh, do we have any other pre-fight analysis here, or or uh, what? What have you got for me, Pat? You gotta have something in your repertoire of boxing analysis. Look, it, it's it's very very simple. Over the shitty, horrible streaming service that I can't say enough bad things about, you're gonna see the best heavyweight fighter in the world. And you know the problem is. There's nobody in his league, and there's nobody who is promoted to be in his league that's willing to fight him. And therein lies your biggest problem. He's fought, or he's already fought and beaten better fighters than both Tyson Fury and uh, Beyonce Wilder. Combined. He's fought Charles Martin, who's probably better than both of them. He's fought Vladimir Klitschko, who despite the loss to Fury, is a better fighter than Fury. So, it's one of those things where you watch him because you want to watch just the best available heavyweight with talent there, and you want to see him do incredible things, and that's fine. But if you're looking for him to be challenged, I'm not going to lie to you. It's probably not going to happen. 
Uh, look, Ruiz is, and I say this without... I'm going to phrase this in a way that could be taken as a pejorative. I don't mean it as such, but he is the prototypical fat man with fast hands in combat sports. He's that's the, basic... uh, the Ace Romero of boxing. That's no, not a reference I get. Like a Joey Beltran or a, a Fabio Maldonado. Ah, okay, got it. He does have fast hands. He can throw combinations. Like I said, he has... Uh, listen... He's an offensive-minded fighter, which is good. And I even think he'll win the second round of this fight just by being busy. But I think Anthony Joshua is just going to overwhelm him and break him down and stop him sometime around the sixth or seventh round. You don't know who Ace Romero is? I know who AC Bailey no, is. No, I know who you know who he is. But I thought you don't watch MLW, you didn't watch AEW? No. Okay, so Google it real fast. Then when you're done with that, Google Barrington Hughes. Because those two I want in the main event of WrestleMania next year. I will not subject myself to that. Rob, MLW actually puts their shows up on YouTube now instead of just being sports. So if you got time to kill, some of them are fun. I might have a look at that then at some point in the future. Like, there's, you would, honestly, you guys would love Mance Warner. I'll say that. Uh, they're on the fight app. I just haven't. Uh, it's like the one thing I was that was on my list of things to watch today that I just never got around to. Right, but for those who don't have the fight app, MLW's live uh, uh, YouTube page or, or not live, but they have a YouTube page that does broadcast the shows. You got Pillman Jr., Bulldog Jr., Teddy Hart, L.A. Park, El Hijo de L.A. Park, Sammy Callahan, uh, Low Key. There's there's a lot of good guys in MLW. Yeah, that's a pretty decent assemblage of talent. Tom Lawler, heavyweight champion of the world. And there it goes out the window. <laughs> no, he's, he's doing good stuff. I like Tommy. Uh, he's a, he's, a, he's one of those guys who's a much better professional wrestler than he ever was fighter. Can you imagine yeah, he's, he's a, a poor man's Matt Riddle? Can you imagine? A, well, I was going to say, can you imagine a future where Matt Riddle and Tom Lawler uh, wrestle at WrestleMania? Tom Lawler, no. Matt Riddle, yes. Well, yeah. No, according to Triple H, and again. As I said earlier about the Velveteen Dream, I say the same thing about Matt Riddle. Please just leave them in NXT until Vince dies, and then bring them up because those and two. Then have, and then have Bromania. Yeah, then have Bromania. Um, Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle, main event WrestleMania. It's destined. Destined. The new, the and, new Steve Austin and The Rock right there. Hey, Velveteen see, Dream is a darn good professional wrestler. Agreed. We see Anthony Joshua walking out finally. Yes, this only took so, an hour and a half. I watched some some broadcasts from British boxing over the last few days. I've been on a Mike McCallum kick in terms of watching a particular fighter. Interesting I choice. I don't know how much of Mike McCallum you guys have watched, but if you want to watch a very technically sound, uh, no wasted motion, excellent fighter, McCallum is a great case study in point. What now was? a lot of he fought junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight. Okay. So he's fought a lot of names people recognize. Names like James Tony, Roy Jones, uh, Donald Curry. He, he fought a lot of guys, but he fought a lot of British fighters, uh, such as Michael Watson, Harold Graham. And those fights were not initially broadcast in the United States live. They were broadcast on tape delay later on. So it's always funny to me to listen to the Sky Sports commentary because for every balanced Sky commentary you hear, 
like the the fight with him and Watts and uh, Harold Graham is very balanced in my opinion and fair. But then you have the fight with him and Michael Watson, where commentary is basically giving Michael Watson every round, and then he just demolishes Watson. I believe in the the eleventh round after just punishing him for a while, and they're like, "Where did this come from? We don't understand." <laughs> Well, I thought he was doing quite well, quite well there. It's like the second best call ever by British commentary, other than when Harold Graham fought Julian Jackson. And uh, like, if you've never seen it, Graham's winning every minute of every round of this fight, <laughs> and Julian Jackson just hits him with one counter right hand, and Graham just sinks, and the commentary literally yells, "Oh no!" Yeah. That, Please, that, like, that reminds me of my favorite Mike Goldberg call of all time. Just the one where Anderson Silva has precise precision. No, no. Like I, I'm not. I'm not riffing on his stupid verbiage in this instance. That well, I have two, and they're both related to surprise, surprise, the same fighter. The fact that he just completely ignores everything Rashad Evans does up to and including the knockout of Chuck Liddell. If you actually, if you actually listen to the, I mean this in all seriousness. If you rewatch that fight and you listen to Goldberg's commentary, it's so bad that on the final exchange he calls Liddell's uppercut rather than Rashad's overhand. <laughs> so and then, and then, oh no, and then the best one is when Shogun knocks him down with that left, and Goldberg just very sadly goes, "Oh no." And then has to be quiet for a few minutes while Rogan actually calls the action as he's sobbing into his beer. If the machine that powers Mike Goldberg actually has emotions. So, Pat, I was trying to teach Jonas. Uh, we were hitting mitts the other day. And I was trying to teach Jonas bob and weave drills. And so I don't hit him, you know, on the side of the head. I tell him duck. And I showed him how to bob and weave. And I showed him what to do in the drill. He, uh, he has decided that every time I yell duck, he's going to take a bump. So the correct thing to do as a parent would be to kick him every time he does that. I'm and then he, there. And then he will realize, oh, this isn't the best idea. I think I did. I think I think he'd throw himself on the ground. After the third time, I said, Jonas, stop taking a bump. I need you to stand up and just duck. And I demonstra- so you and my to, fat you ass have- actually demonstrated a bob and weave. And then he did it again. And at that point, I just kicked him. So, yeah, now you need to have him start watching videos of Jack Dempsey and Joe Frazier. Darn right. I could barely get him through Adam Cole versus Johnny Wrestling. Well, Yeah, well, that's because, one, it's like seven hours past his bedtime. (laughs) And, two, they were hitting fucking finishes that either one of these guys wouldn't get up from. Fair enough. Hey, look, a Canadian destroyer on the floor. I wonder if that will actually be the finish. Nope. Yeah, I I don't know at what point in history finishers became a thing of the past in wrestling, but I off, but boy do I miss it. Look, I I think I said this in the group chat. This is what happens when a bunch of dorks watch old tapes of All Japan and Noah when there was a very specific match style that revolved around we have a few we have like two or three moves that can believably end a match. We also have to we're also going to probably have to hit them more than once. And this is just baked into the reality of the style that they wrestled. And then everybody has one or has like one real F you if I hit this, it's genuinely over. And they just used it like 
I mean, Kenta Kobashi had all of like five burning hammers in his entire career. That's how rare they are. And it seems like all these you know, theater nerds who went into wrestling looked at that and went, so what if we did all that, but then also you kicked out of the match killer? Like, it, that seems to be the mentality. It's just stupid. Mark, I'm also very disappointed that you did not see Jed and, my, and myself at Bloodsport. I was looking, and I swear to God I thought I saw Jed. But you guys said you're not, you, you weren't sitting in the entrance aisle, and, and I'm telling you right now that there was a guy sitting in the entrance aisle that was Jed's twin brother. But anyway, we were not. We were, we were hard cam second row. Um, but here's what I was going to tell you. I think that's why I enjoyed a, um, Game Changer Wrestling's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport as much as I did because it looked like believable wrestling. Josh Barnett versus Suzuki didn't, but <laughs> the rest of it. Neither, uh, and neither did Frank Mir doing anything other than rolling his way down the aisle because he's fat. A lot of it looked fairly believable, and it looked like it. I mean, it was definitely a little bit more mat based than um, than wrestling used to be, but it still looked fairly believable. And you know, you could convince somebody who who had never seen anything like this before that these were shoots instead of works. And I kind of missed that about today's wrestling, where so much of it is now finisher, 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 go home. Like that that that's the style of wrestling we're we're currently in. Like, like hey, I kind of I kind of miss when this used to look like wrestling. Um, Minoru Suzuki stared defiantly at me when I offered to shake hands, as if I was going to back down, and I didn't, and I shook his hand. Don't get me wrong. Him versus Josh Barnett was was straight out of uh, late eighties, early nineties WWE. But still, oh, I was going to call it late eighties, early nineties All Japan. Fair enough. Um, Mark's not familiar enough with Japanese wrestling. He's too racist. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Robert. All right. Speaking of racist, let's watch uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. <laughs> versus Anthony Joshua. I think we might actually be about ready to take their robes off. No, they're, no, they're, they're, they're still anthems. singing anthems. Are they really? Okay, let me ask you this then, Pat, because we need to kill time. Could, we need to kill time, and this gets brought up all the time whenever a fight like this comes around. It's hype. It's talked about all the time how there's never been a Mexican heavyweight boxing champion. There's been plenty of great Mexican fighters. I'm curious: is it just that there's not a lot of Mexican heavyweights? Or is it just that they've come up in the wrong era? Dude, or... the average Mexican's five feet tall. I'm asking. I'm not. I am aware of that. This is a this is a bit of an, a genetic aberration, but it's not unheard of. It's more. It's more to do, honestly, with the lack of nutrition available to Mexicans. In all seriousness, that they're not able to grow people to a certain size, where not only while maintaining that size they can be athletic. That's why you don't have a heavy amount of Hispanic players in the NFL. Um, it, you know, in, it have, Hispanic in general heavyweights in both MMA and boxing are very rare. They're not impossible. They're just rare. Uh, it, it, you know, it just does not happen often. And a lot of times when you do see them, they have the physique of a Joey Beltran or in boxing a Chris Ariola where they're just very heavy and not athletically built. You also have the issue of the Aztec and Maya uh, Mayan genetics in that area of the world, which were traditionally uh, short pe- short people of stature. Short people got no reason to live. 
<laughs> I was about to go into the history of the actual Latino uh, cultural group, but I think that's a better... I, I think Pat's response was better. Here's a story about a bear and a bunny that comes along and then the bunny lost his family but the bear becomes a new family. Something like that. Yeah, I... Oh, they're actually announcing the judges. Hooray. Okay, I mean this in all seriousness. No, you don't. Okay, mostly seriousness. (laughs) I sit through... I sit through a lot of crap. All right, I, I do. I sit through crappy movies because Mark makes me. I sit through poor. I I suffered for literally years watching UFC events on Fox Sports One that would routinely run from first prelim until sign off over six hours. I think the average was like six hours and twenty some odd minutes, and there were some that ran longer. I mean, the event today was not as bad, but yeah, it was pretty bad. It started at eight. It was a, it was about a five hour event, I think. But they also lost a, at least one fight in the week to the build up. I think they had another one fall out previously that just didn't replace. Yeah, and I say this in all seriousness: for you to have to cover that stuff, God does not want you to live. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, God wants me alive so I can continue to suffer. I've I've made my peace with this reality, but I when you get to a big boxing match like this, there I don't think there's anything worse than the pacing of an event like this, where the previous fight ends and we have 40 minutes, exaggeration, but not by as much as you'd think of downtime, for a bunch of especially for a bunch of ridiculous pageantry. Like, I'm fine why are we still with, singing like, national anthems? I'm fine with pageantry if it's well done. Like, uh, I think it was me and Mark were watching uh, way back when the Vladimir Klitschko-David Hay fight. Oh, boy. And, like, well, no, I'm not even talking about the fight. We all know that was terrible. But no, the I, I know what you're talking about, the, the, the ridiculous opening. Where they had this crazy opening with all the lineal heavyweight champions of the past and then, like, it got to the point where George Foreman is there in person and, like, sitting there with the newspaper. And, like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hey, and introduces Vladimir Klitschko. That was cool. Nothing like, after that was cool. I mean, I like David Hay's entrance. David Did, Hay's entrance hey, seemed yeah, like... Didn't David Hay not actually show up for the for half of his entrance? Yes. Like, and, they, oh they, goodness, set, they set the, off the pyro the and... Ring. Like, they set off the pyro for that fight, and he just wasn't there. David Hay had, like, a Triple H entrance. The We're in the center of the ring getting instructions, guys. We're about to go underway. All right. All right. We'll get started in 20 minutes, then. Um, Andy Ruiz looks like a cholo who just got out of lockup in Central yeah, Booking. Did. Yeah, No, he's... he. Yeah, he I wish... I he, wish was an, were... he was in admin confinement, and then they walked him to the ring. I mean, I wish I could say you're incorrect in that assessment, but you're not. I said six rounds. I feel like I'm being generous. You are. All right. Folks, if you turned into this podcast to hear us analyze boxing, we're finally underway. Hot diggity. And we start off with a left to the body from Ruiz. Uh, Boy, Ruiz Ruiz is real soft, isn't he? 
Yeah, he is. His belly button is showing. Good lord, you don't do that. <laughs> I mean, he's not Ace Romero big, but he's too. He's just, he's just giving Joshua targets for all of Joshua's body work, well, which is like, yeah, for everybody who's not aware of why I'm saying that. Your belly button is the line where you wear your trunks. If his trunks do not fit over his belly button, good lord, what is going on? So just Andy Ruiz more Ju- area to hit. Andy Ruiz Jr. Looks like one of the guys from the FX Tough Man contest. I miss those. Those were great. I was looking for them online today because I really wanted to start a podcast where we would uh, review each episode, episode, you know, one episode at a time. Uh, and I can't find I can't find where it's streaming anywhere. Like, Wait, some... you'll do that, but you won't do World's Strongest Man contest. I didn't say I wouldn't. All right, well then let's work on that one. Okay, fine. where is it? Where, where is the entire series streaming? I've got them all on oh, YouTube. Yeah, no, th- those are those exist on YouTube, I believe, like in their entirety. Going there's back, a, there's a uh, YouTube, YouTube account called uh, HIT Strongman. Okay, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll talk about it when we're not trying to cover boxing. All right. Uh, so basically, Andy look, Ruiz really... is stalking behind the jab here. Yeah, but the and jab I is Joshua's, and it keeps hitting him. <laughs> So Joshua's yeah, just encircling at this point, playing defense. Ruiz is trying. Ruiz can't make up the distance. Uh, he can't get past Joshua's reach, even though Joshua isn't throwing that much, uh, too many punches at this point. Oh, this is going to end with body shots. Yeah, that was a nice jab to the body from Joshua. There, he's. Yeah, Ruiz has nothing for him at the moment. He's going to have to really corral him, and his footwork isn't good enough to actually do it. What are the Vegas odds that Andy Ruiz's shorts are going to fall down mid-round? Well, Joshua's a 15-to-1 favorite, so I'm saying the shorts are probably 3-to-1 favorite over Ruiz. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. I don't like Joshua leading to the body because he's going to open up opportunities for Ruiz upstairs. And while you're still in the first three rounds, I would still consider Ruiz dangerous. It's heavyweight. The first three rounds are always dangerous. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if he's going to go body and then quickly head behind it, I'm fine with that. And there's Ruiz trying to work something in, but just Joshua's catching all of it on his gloves. Uh, Yeah, I would say after round three, Mexican Porky's gas is going to be gone. Yeah, Joshua's game plan here seems to be just wear him down slowly and safely with body shots, jabs. He hurt, he hurt him with a jab there. That was a stinging jab. I'm guaranteeing yeah. you somebody from DAZN told him, do not end this before round five. They I mean, someone told, that, someone told that to Deontay Wilder, and then his opponent realized, oh, crap, if this goes five, he's going to gas, and I'm going to knock him out, so we better, just, uh, we better audible the finish. Yeah, so he took, so he took a Jonas bump. Yeah, and Oof. Joshua looks very relaxed in his corner. <laughs> yeah, he's not—he's not even—he's not even, barely sweating. He looks like he's getting a blowjob. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. He married? No, I think he's smarter than that. He's—he's—he's uh. he's, he's young too. He's what twenty something? Yeah, he's twenty-eight, I believe. And he's probably wondering what he's doing in this fight other than collecting a paycheck. He's collecting a paycheck. Well, this paycheck. is what happens when the other two shitbags won't fight you. Right. I mean, again, he was supposed to fight... This was, for, the, for those unaware, this was supposed to be him and... Um, Jarrell Miller. Miller, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, which while, still fa- while still heavily favors Joshua, is a more compelling fight. Yeah, I think Jarrell Miller is better than Fury and, and uh, uh, Beyonce. Well... <laughs> 
Andy Ruiz Here's, Jr. is just winging hooks at Joshua. Turn it into a Cholo bar fight at yeah. some roadside cantina. Star. I was going to say, he, when I said, apparently he can hear me through the app because <laughs> I said this looks like a tough man show, and he was like, that's a great idea. I, well, look, he came to the realization that he can't outbox Anthony Joshua, as though that wasn't patently obvious based on every known quantity of both men leading up to the death of the universe. So in his corner between rounds, he started the channel Butterbean? Yeah. I mean, look, again, he's not going to outbox this guy. He's just not. See, the only thing that you see Joshua do that if I was in his corner, I would tell him I don't want to see you do that is throw a single jab to the body and not follow to the head immediately because I don't want to give Ruiz any opportunity. And when you bring yourself down to his eye level, he again, we're still in the early part of the fight. He's not gassed yet. And he has fast hands, especially for a heavy set guy. Well, the other I would, I don't want to see him doing that. If he's jabbing to the body, he better be coming back with two to the head right behind it. The other problem is that there's there's such a height difference between him and Mexican Porky that every time he goes low, he has to he has to almost bend over, which is leaning him open for an uppercut or a hook uh, from from Ruiz. Yeah, Ruiz but, can't but, throw an uppercut. There's too much chafing along his arms and his <laughs> flank. <laughs> Ruiz throws an uppercut and oh, we've got bacon. But <laughs> but but the thing is, he can he can minimize the risk of that if he follows by not throwing a single body shot. He needs to come back upstairs to the head, especially with the jab, and just continue to use that jab to either force Ruiz back or just protect himself from a counter right hand while being defensively responsible with his own right hand. And there there he threw a right hand over Ruiz's jab, and there a left hook, which got him, which we'll probably see more of. Yeah, Joshua's left hook has always been one of his money punches. and I mean, I mean the left hook's a great punch generally uh, for an orthodox fighter, as long as you can properly position it, because if you don't, you're out of position, and then you tend to get countered. But Joshua's more than a talented and, and Hard-working enough fighter to know when to use the, you know, what the weapons at his disposal. Yeah, and Beyonce Wilder doesn't even throw a left hook, so there's that. Uh, he doesn't throw punches. He just like he he does the old like. Okay. He, he does the windmill thing with his arms. Like, all right, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to walk forward, and if you get knocked out, it's your own fault. He, <laughs> he, the Lisa Simpson method. Yeah. Yeah. And we see round two of this sparring session uh, is, is ended. Mark, did I legitimately like ruin Deontay Wilder for you when I told you, yeah, he sucks because this, this, and this? And no. then you watched him. And saw him. I have eyes. Okay. Yeah, but you were, despite knowing that, you still, you were, for a long time, also kind of gone, you know what? I like watching this guy fight. That hasn't changed. It should. Um,. You know, for me, you got to remember, you know, when I first discovered Deontay Wilder, I think he had just become heavyweight champion, and I saw clearly there was a uh, an effort to, you know, to push him, to market him, and I enjoyed the marketing packages behind him. I, you know, like, look, I root for people to succeed, you know, um, and I thought, okay, well, it's been a while since we've had an American heavyweight champion that people could identify with and relate to, I thought, you know what? Maybe this will be good for boxing. I didn't realize how much he sucked at the time. The last one of those we had was Evander Holyfield, and the people who related to him were uh, drug dealers who were busy knocking up three different women at a time. Right. 
So I thought, well, hopefully, maybe this will get more people back into American boxing. Maybe this will generate some interest. And these are all positive things. I didn't realize how much he sucked at that time. I have come to realize that over time. But at this point, I'm, you know, much like the Big Bang Theory and How I Met Your Mother, I'm committed. I'm committed, I'm committed until this ends. You are not committed, Mark. No, you, you don't. <laughs> all you have to do is stop. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. It's not that hard. Oh, good Anthony Lord. Joshua drops him with a left hook. <laughs> yeah. That, he was oof. looking for that. Ruiz, whenever Ruiz just tried to pop off with his right hand, Joshua snuck a left hook in, and he's touched him with it but hasn't thrown it with authority. There he did, and he dropped Ruiz, who to his credit does not appear overly hurt, just he got hit very hard and put and on the seat of his pants. Trying again to drop him with those same hooks, not having as much success this time. And oh, for oh, fuck's sake! We've got a left hook in, and right. Joshua's down. Andy Ruiz Jr. with Deontay Wilder's type palm strikes, or as Pat look, has said, shotes. Look, this is what happens again at heavyweight when you do, when you get a little bit sloppy, and Joshua got a little bit punch happy looking and for the finish there. We've got yeah. Roadhouse happening, folks. And I don't and, understand why Joshua decided to go toe-to-toe with him when he was having his way from a distance. Uh, Ruiz has developed a nice little shiner on his right eye from that well, left we hook. and some kidney shots in. That's a good boy, Ruiz. Throw those dirty shots. That's right. Dirty this up. That's it's what he's got to do to win. He's got to uh, get again, in he, I mean, again, he can't outbox this guy. No. Yes. So you dirty this up, get in his face, throw a headbutt or two. They're not going to stop it. This is Madison Square Garden in 2019. I'm surprised they went through the. I'm surprised they went through the effort of putting a ref in there. <laughs> and he hit, he hit, he hit him again with that left hook because Josh, Josh was just kind of just hanging out on the outside, not really taking him seriously. So, there was um, a so how many people in charge of the, who are uh, financing this app kill themselves if Ruiz wins? None. Yeah, none. This app is based around Canelo. You know that, Mark. True. Yeah, like, look, Joshua isn't a proven commodity in the United States. This is his first fight in the United States. So we're saying and, that they just needed content. That's what this and is. And now this he's just throwing well, no, no, no. It's, dead body jabs again. It's not just content. They're taking, a, they're taking the opportunity to try and grow this, again, the best heavyweight in the world, by mm-hmm. and large. Who is, and who is struggling? Oh, Jesus Christ! Sure. This is the funniest thing in the world. You know, when I said that, clear knockdown. That is a clear knockdown. Well, this is a when ten. I, this is a ten-eight round for fucking Ruiz. No, it it's, is now. It's a nine-eight. No, no, no. It's a ten-eight. Ruiz got dropped in this round. Yeah, but you have to give the winner ten. Really? That's stupid. So technically, it could be a ten-nine, but I'm scoring this a ten-eight. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's I, why I came up with ten-eight. Uh, fair enough. Uh, no, this is <laughs> when I joke that Joshua is ducking Deontay Wilder. It's not because he's not as good a fighter; he's a much better fighter than Wilder. But this, <laughs> <laughs> I bet uh, I'm guaranteeing you, if Ruiz ends up winning this fight, Deontay Wilder goes on Twitter tomorrow. And is like, when I, when are we fighting Anthony Joshua? When? No, he'll challenge Andy Ruiz immediately and blow off the Fury rematch. And you see, where did this come from? He, he hits the left hook. That's the one that... Ooh, how did Ruiz not break his right arm there? Okay, I'm calling it now. If Andy Ruiz Jr. beats Joshua for the title tonight, he fights Deontay Wilder in Texas. He does. 
But you see, where Joshua made the mistake is, again, he went inside with Ruiz, and we're still in the wheelhouse of when Ruiz is dangerous, and I believe I said Ruiz would win the second round. And it's the third, not the second, but you were correct. So, but, yeah. so I'm off by a little bit, and largely because he would be more active than he was. Oh, and, God. And yeah, that of, he fell down in a hammerlock. Ow. Yeah, and it's because Joshua was throwing lazy punches to the body and not in combination. Then when he got close enough inside, he started throwing combinations with his hands down in Ruiz's wheelhouse, giving him the only chance he had to win. Yeah. It, some shockingly bad decision-making by Joshua there. He's so clearly the, tech, the superior fighter in every respect that, again, you gave this guy this guy's one way into this into this fight. Joshua is now looking at that banana peel on the floor going, you know what? Maybe I won't slip on it. Let's just see what happens. So no, the referees start to warn Andy Ruiz for those kidney shots. He should just still take them and take the point if that happens. <laughs> well, he's not going to win your... this thing on a decision. So, I mean, that's what, <laughs> I think the first two rounds went to Joshua, and that third round was 10-8 for uh, Ruiz. Agreed. So it's an even fight. Yeah, but it's not gonna, he's not winning this thing on points. Come on. Joshua gets the left hook in again, but he's kind of fallen in love with being in the pocket too much with this guy when he shouldn't. No, I, I, you want to talk about a, a you know Steph, Stefan Struve levels of not wanting to use your reach. It reminds me of Evander Holyfield fighting Burt Cooper. Why is okay. that, Pat? Well, Evander Holyfield was very clearly a superior athlete and even a superior technician to Burt Cooper, who was known as a dangerous puncher early in fights, but who would gas out and not give you much after a certain point. Holyfield decided to go toe-to-toe with him in his hometown of Atlanta, and Holyfield got dropped for the first time in his career and was in serious trouble of losing the heavyweight championship to journeyman Burt Cooper. Was Holyfield Before, known for not wanting, to, not bothering to use his reach? Well, It, it, it was less time. about the reach and more about the, strat- the strategic decision-making in that case. Uh, again, yeah, Burt Cooper came really close to winning before he did what Burt Cooper pretty much usually did against anyone who was any good. Ran out of gas, dropped his hands, and probably got knocked out. Correct. Pretty much. <laughs> well, Burt Cooper is awesome. Also Rest, true. Rest in peace, Burt. And you see Joshua here much less willing to engage at this point, sitting on the outside like he did the first two rounds. Ruiz got frustrated, actually dropped his hands and kind of dared Joshua to come on a little bit. And I think, hopefully, Joshua's corner, Robert McCracken, telling him, that is a bad idea. Please do not do that again. No, what he should do is cover up a bit. Don't 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 take damage going in, but get in close with Joshua, and then again continue to rough him up. Instead, yeah, don't don't play into Joshua's game with sitting on the outside waiting for to be jabbed. All right, so we're in the corner with Ruiz here, Pat. What are they telling him other other than, you know, again, don't sit on the outside? They have to tell him to make it ugly. And every time that Joshua throws that body jab, Ruiz should either be jabbing with him or throwing a right hand over the top of it, a hook-style right hand, to club Joshua with when he tries to reach in with that. Because Joshua's still throwing one at a time of those. And if you do that and you reach in and you drop your hand, there's a good chance a smart counterpuncher will catch you. And, you know, he's already given Ruiz a lot more respect than he deserves, and that's how Ruiz got into the fight. 
Now, I think that was a better round for Joshua just to get his legs back under him. But he needs to – Joshua needs to start working his own right hand into the fray because Ruiz is still throwing short jabs to get inside, and Joshua can counter right over the top with a right hand. Robert, who would you give that last round to? Um, yeah, it's almost a draw round for me. I might, I might lean towards Joshua if I'm going to lean, mm-hmm. because again, he just got his legs back under him. But despite it being mostly a recovery period for him, Ruiz still really struggled to score with meaningful offense over the course of the entire round. And Joshua's leading percentage-wise with uh, power punches, thirty-four to thirty. Yeah, and again, those power punches under the stats, they count. When Ruiz is throwing those kidney shots in the clinch that are just arm punches, those are counted among the power punches landed. Now, you see Joshua fainted the right hand over the jab there. Ruiz backed away. Joshua needs to continue to faint with that and come back with the left hook if he wants to bait Ruiz and get him like he did in that round where we saw three knockdowns. Pat, explain to the people why Anthony Joshua insists on keeping his left hand at his waist where it doesn't belong. Well, he doesn't. He wants to invite Ruiz into his power range, and by dropping the left hand, he's encouraging Ruiz to take more chances. As you see right there, they trade right hands. The problem is you need to have the proper defensive reflexes to be able to utilize that. You need to be able to tuck your chin and shoulder roll. You need to be able to quick step one way or the other, depending on what punch is coming at you. And if you don't do that, you will get caught by leaving your hand down there. Right. Floyd Mayweather was really, really good at that because his his hand was practically in his pants. But he had enough speed and technique and fluidity that he was still able to deftly avoid punches, shoulder roll, etc. So he could afford to do that. Joshua doesn't seem to have nearly the hand speed or the reflexes of a Floyd Mayweather. No. Go ahead, Robert. Again, some of that is just the size of the individuals involved. Uh, You're not going to get too many heavyweights, legitimate heavyweights, that have the kind of foot speed and hand speed and reflexes necessary to execute that kind of a defensive plan. And, and that's not a knock on the division. Uh, if I'm going to, th- I have no problem throwing shaded heavyweights in general. This one isn't one of those things. It's and just the reality of being a guy that big. Joshua fainted that left jab to the body and came upstairs with the hook. That was the best punch he's landed since being dropped twice. Yeah, Ruiz is starting to bite on those feints a little bit you know, too much. I mean, again, I get that he's outgunned here by and large, but he's Joshua's really going to start drawing him out with those. Every little motion of his shoulders, Ruiz is starting to react to a little bit. All right. And then I did think Ruiz just landed uh, an overhand right. It, it was picked off. He landed a short jab behind it. Now, the problem with where you see Joshua doing the lean-in. Joshua is extending his upper body too far out over his lead foot. When you do that, you're off balance and much more likely to be dropped. Yeah, his his posture, every time they really engage, is so odd. It might just be the size difference, but it's just weird. Well, I'll put it to you this way. The first amateur fight I ever had... I fought a guy who was eight inches shorter than I was. And we weighed the same. And that should probably tell you in terms of physicality where we were. 
you know, one guy looked very lean and, and light. The other guy looked like he was carrying a spare tire under his trunks. Now, to do that, I simply stayed up top. I didn't go to his body. Granted, it was a, a four-round fight, but I, didn't, I made the conscious decision not to do that because I didn't want to put myself in danger. Joshua has not done that, and as a result, he's gotten dropped twice. And there he's scoring with the left hook again. And now Ruiz is more stationary. He's not bobbing, not really weaving. And, and his, leg, his legs are going. It's it's pretty clear that Ruiz's legs are starting to leave him. Ruiz takes the center of the ring. We have Joshua sort of uh, circling on the outside. Not circling like that Korean guy did earlier in uh, the UFC fight. Jesus Christ. He was practically sk- he was practically uh, skipping around the ring. I've seen that. Yeah, I wish it wasn't as common as it is. <sighs> Lots of fainting going on here. Kind of just throwing Josh was throwing his left arm out there. I wouldn't even I mean, technically I guess it's a jab, but he's more just sticking his fist out there. Yeah, that's a feeler. That's not a real jab. CompuBox will count that as a jab, but he's really just trying to touch and feel and draw a reaction or just keep distance. But again, he's reaching in. There you see he eats a, a counter punch. He's got to stop reaching in. He's got to make Ruiz come to him. And Ruiz pretty, will come to him. A pretty decent left hook there from Ruiz. So it's funny because when they tie up and Ruiz is just is throwing shots into the kidneys like that, he he's not digging with them. He's just kind of, you know, flapping his arm into into there almost nonchalantly instead of really making a count and digging it, maybe trying to go underneath the rib cage. Well, and, and here's the other part. Like, we just saw a clinch there. Joshua was pulling back from it, not doing anything with it, and there Ruiz with a couple body shots inside. That's what he's got to do. Joshua didn't lean any of his weight onto Ruiz, make him carry the weight, didn't use his height, you know, just... And now Joshua's getting lazy inside defensively when they clinch, kind of just relying on the referee's command to tell Ruiz to stop punching. If you got hands free, you can punch. See, this is what I hate, because you introduced me into an Anthony Joshua Klitschko fight, and it was he was fighting differently. It was a much better fight, a much more technical fight. And then it's like, okay, I got a chance to see this guy fight live, and he's, and he's fighting like he's on ether. Right, and he's getting very easily hit right now. Good right to the body from Ruiz, a left hook upstairs. He missed a roadhouse left hook. But he, it's almost like he's in a, a daze. He's not even trying right now. No. Maybe his manager yeah. did die before the fight. And he's <laughs> talking to him. And his wife told him he can't do it. God, Adrian's terrible. She really is the worst woman in the history of Hollywood. That was a very good round for Andy Ruiz Jr. Yeah, I'd give him that round. I'd absolutely Pretty clearly. Round. Yeah. So it's like, what, three rounds to two for Joshua? Yeah, yeah but well, there is remember, the 10-8. Yeah. Now, if I'm Robert McCracken, I am slapping the shit out of Anthony Joshua in the corner. And yeah. I don't mean verbally. I mean, I'm literally open-handing and just whapping him. He might want to just take, take down his pants and hit him with his dick. Maybe that'll wake him up. I mean, you know, Robert McCracken was a, a good fighter 
for a long time. He was in Ameri- He was a he was a middleweight, and you know he fought for a world title once. But he coached the Olympic team. He did very well for himself as a trainer. And I, I don't know what's into Joshua in this fight, but I, there's just no motivation there. I get, I get that taking on a late sub is, is a difficult thing, but, you know, if, if Joshua showed up like this to fight Jarrell Miller, I think Jarrell Miller would have knocked him out already. Yeah. Jarrell Miller would not have let him out of the third. All right, we are into round seven. This has already gone... F- oh, Jesus Christ. Well, we've got Roadhouse here. Andy Ruiz is... J- yeah, no, that's not really a knockdown. He kind of tackled him there. But it was after... Okay, a- yeah, that was a club behind the head. I would not have scored that a knockdown. Nope, but he's getting the count anyway. Uh, yeah, Andy Ruiz just opened up and laid in a series of wild hooks. That, that'll be his only meaningful offensive burst in this entire round. And Joshua's, Joshua's response is to wink his eyebrows at the camera. And now that, that was a legit knockdown. Yeah, that was a legitimate knockdown. I don't know what's going on here. Joshua looks almost, honestly, like Oliver McCall when he fought Lennox Lewis, but the opposite. He looks like he's about to cry. Well, that would be Oliver McCall against Lennox Lewis. He looks manic, which is odd. I'm starting to... Oh, shit. They called it. Yeah, what? It, this is weird. I'm wondering so what, what's going on in that guy's head. Now Now I'm questioning the psychology he went into in, in this fight. I don't know why that was stopped. Uh, unless he said something to the referee. Maybe I give up. I don't. Uh, I don't no know. Boss. He. This is. This is a strange one. This is bizarre. All right. In case you're not following, you're just listening on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. Andrew Ruiz Jr. just won this fight against Anthony Joshua and is your new heavyweight champion. Which belt is this, by the way? The uh, uh, belt. <laughs> One of, uh, one of them. It's <laughs> good analysis, guys. Thanks. This is very odd, and and I say that because not because. Uh, wow, who's that chick on the right? She's all right. Yeah, yeah. she's pretty hot. Probably his wife. Uh, I, but I say that because Joshua is in full possession of his faculties, congratulating Andy Ruiz, and. This is weird. All right, so as I said, your next fight for Deontay Wilder is against this guy, and they'll be doing it in Cowboy Stadium. Mark my words. Well, we've now had a Mexican heavyweight champion in boxing, so that talking point's dead. I almost (laughs) will guarantee you that we'll hear tomorrow about Joshua checking into rehab or something. Yeah, no, as as somebody in the mental health profession, he, there is clearly something wrong with him mentally, and it was going into this fight. I think. I mean, on the plus side, Deontay Wilder can renew hostilities between Black and Brown and knock this guy out in you know twenty seconds after Ruiz takes the payday to take the dive. Because so that, there's there's no mark there's no markings on Joshua's face. His his left cheek's a little swollen. His nose is bleeding a little bit, but it's not. They trade left hooks, and he actually gets the better of it. But 
Ruiz starts clubbering with the right hand. He gets a good one in. He's covering. He gets clubbed behind the head, which is not really a knockdown, but they called it one. And Joshua's kind of a little bit stunned by that reaction, we'll call it. Yeah, there's there's just something that was off about him. I, I, I couldn't tell you what it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're right that within the next couple of days there's some we get we find out that there's something really bothering him in his personal well, life. I want to see the second knockdown because he's not getting hit clearly. He gets good right hand in, and uh, another right hand. I think this is maybe still a replay of the first. Yeah, yeah this is, is a replay of the first. Okay, so this okay, is this so might be the second. Hit in, he hit him in the back of the head again. So he's gonna yeah, walk. He, he's gonna walk then, into the corner. The ref's gonna say, "Come here." And he's not coming. He's not stepping towards him. Well, okay. The mouth guard's out, so the referee picks the mouth guard up. He can't see him, first of all, so he can't come to him. The referee's talking to him. Joshua appears in possession of his faculties. Referee's saying, do you want to fight, it looks like. And Joshua nods his head, yes. And then the referee stops it. And I, that's odd. That is bizarre. Okay, so Andy Ruiz Jr., the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network has one request. Before your next fight, hit the road a bit. Hit, do your road work. Lose some of that flab. Get some abs, maybe. Don't, maybe, maybe not have as many tacos. And let's get into some shape before your fight with Yontay Wilder. Let's get those shorts up, buddy. Uh, look again. He's gonna take a payday to take a dive against Wilder because that's what happens. All right. So what belts are those? Uh, the WBA Super Belt, the IBF, the WBO, and IBO. So if Deontay Wilder beats this guy, and he probably will, because Roadhouse, uh, that does that make Deontay Wilder then the super heavyweight champion? He would be the un the undisputed heavyweight champion at that point. Yeah, he'd have all of them. Okay, this, that's well, folks, that, that's the fight that we need to see next, then. We really don't need to see Herky Jerky versus uh, Beyonce Wilder, too. One, Except Herky Jerky, I really feel, will win that fight. God, can you imagine Andy Ruiz Jr. versus Tyson Fury? What an ugly mess that's going to be. See, I don't think it would be. I think Andy Ruiz just doesn't give a shit and wouldn't do the normal stuff you do against Tyson Fury where he freezes guys, and this is odd. Anthony, like, Anthony Joshua is posing happily with Andy Ruiz and his trainer for pictures. This is weird. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that kind of, like, this kind of reaction to that. Something's... I don't want to say... I don't think anything was screwy or corrupt, but there is something off about this. No, no. I don't think... Men, I think he checked out before the fight, and he walked in there thinking, well, I'll just beat this ham and egger. And I'll and I'll go deal with whatever's bothering me. And then this guy fucking hit him in the head one too many times. And he said, "All right, I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah, something's weird about this, and not in a good way. Like when when Oliver McCall fought Lennox Lewis the second time, and McCall was clearly having a, a paranoid schizophrenic breakdown because of his addiction to crystal meth. That was one thing. Like that was like literally Lewis was hitting McCall like with 
devastating punches that McCall was not reacting to, which is normal because McCall had a great chin, but he then refused to fight, was crying. This is the strange uh, thing as I've seen in terms of reaction since that. What if it? What if it's the other way though? I mean, you know, we 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 make jokes and we're only semi-serious about Dazone pushing Canelo, and uh, you know, giving him fights that he doesn't deserve. But you know, on uh, on the cards, what if something happened behind the scenes here? If they're doubling down on being the the streaming service of the Mexican people, yeah, <laughs> I I highly doubt that. Like the. I don't know how many how many Mexican heavyweight boxers are there that could conceivably compete at this level. I mean, I mean listen, Anthony John, or excuse me, and Andy Ruiz has had two fights against heavyweights ranked in the top ten prior to this. He lost to uh, oh good lord Joseph Parker from New Zealand, and then he beat uh, Alexander Dimitrenko, but this is a Dimitrenko who was well removed from his days in the top 10 and had just lost to Brian Jennings. So, you know, the, there was no nothing there that would indicate this as a strong possibility or anything of the kind. I mean, for odds makers to list this as 15 to 1 in favor of Anthony Joshua... That's pretty that's staggering. Only, that's only some of them. Um, he was higher depending on where you were. Joshua was like a minus twenty five hundred favorite in some pla- in some places. So he was again. You could find more than fifteen to one odds in his favor. Yeah, and look at him being jovial after this is like you know I've seen my share of heavyweight title fights. I've seen my share of heavyweight title fights where a guy. Loses now. He's trying to grab the microphone. This is—he's not there. I don't know if one of those shots to the back of the head really knocked something loose in him. But yeah, he's there's something there's something really off about him right now. Do you guys have the sound on? Because I don't know what he's saying. I have the. I, I don't have the sound, sound on. No, but I can try to turn it on here in a second. Well, at this point, it's over. All right. Well, hang on. I think I'm a little bit behind you, so I might be able to hear. They're trying to interview him. He puts over Ruiz. And now they don't want to talk to him. They're talking to somebody in a tuxedo. He puts over the crowd a little bit. He implores Ruiz, I believe, to represent the Mexican people and then walks off. That's odd. I, I might be mishearing that. I'm going to, again, I, I'm not standing by that, really, at any rate. All right, let's, let's see what we can find here on Twitter before we call it a night here. Da, da, da. Still a lot of uh, feedback about the NXT show and comparisons to AEW. That it was so much better. Right, and it Bill, wasn't even that great of a show. Bill Simmons, I'm just stupefied, and it was a legit win, too. He beat the hell out of him. What just happened? 
<laughs> Kevin Clark put, put up a picture of Ruiz and said, this guy is the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, my favorite one in that same vein is him next, standing next to Joshua, and it just says, now I know how perfect combat, now I know what a perfect combat sports athlete's body looks like. Uh, yeah, the, Eddie Hearn's apparently saying they're going to try to do a rematch. Okay. Why? Kevin Ioli, uh... Kevin Ioli, yep. Is your... <laughs> Not worth reading. Is your... In your opinion, is Ruiz over Joshua a bigger upset than Douglas over Tyson? Okay. Here, here's the thing. It, it, it should be, but it isn't. Because yeah. Douglas over Tyson shouldn't have been seen as that big an upset as it was in hindsight. Uh, according to FightNights.com, seven minutes ago, Joshua spat out his m- mouthpiece. Quit. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not again, sure about that. He, that that would flabbergast me because again, he was hurt and dropped against Vladimir Klitschko, and came back and won. I don't. I, no, I'm, I'm not going to be able to explain this one. Oh, my God. So, FightNights.com. Wilder Joshua will never happen. And then somebody replying to him, Wilder will kill Joshua. The way he fought tonight? Yeah, he will. If yeah, oh, if, yeah. He, if he went into a fight with Wilder like that, yeah. That would have been over much faster. Because Wilder has... I mean, look, I, I mock his technique all the time because he's a terrible boxer. But he hits hard enough to stop a moose. Yeah, that that was really odd. And I mean, Ruiz should enjoy his fame for 15 minutes or so. And I don't see him winning a rematch, depending on whatever is wrong with Joshua. And if he fights Wilder, I mean, you're not going to out Roadhouse Deontay Wilder. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, this is this is just odd. Well, Hurricane Helms just congratulated Andy Ruiz Jr. And Andy Ruiz Jr. wrote him back. Much love, bro. We're going to win first, then have some cake and Mexican flag. Not sure why the Mexican flag is involved in the consumption of cake, but okay. Hey, Mark, what are you doing September 14th? God help me. I'll be, I'll be back to work, but let me look at my calendar. Because you should come up to Atlantic City because oh, just announced... Just announced one hour ago, not even kidding, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2 from the showboat in Atlantic City. Probably not going to make that, but I will definitely watch it on the Fight app. Um, Wait, they're interviewing Joshua again. Okay, everyone, well, let's turn this up and let's hear what he has to say. What's he got? What's going on, Rob? Hang on, I gotta adjust my. Okay, update. Uh, he says he's trying to play this positive, like this proves he has power in him, and that he just wanted to get in there and finish the fight. 
Just got asked about the Klitschko knockdowns relative to this. He just said this isn't his night. Actually just said it's good for it's good for TV and good for DAZN. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, asked about him protesting the stoppage. He said, eh, I want to fight. It's what we... This is the weird. Uh, this is the weirdest post-fight interview from Joshua I've ever seen. This is not how he normally talks. Uh, he says it's about the long game, not the short game. He's trying to set up for some kind of comeback, but against who? This makes no excuse. It was his own fault. He got caught. Says he would have preferred this to have been Deontay Wilder, because Deontay would have paid him to take the dive, I assume. <laughs> he does have an immediate rematch clause. And says he's 100% going to exercise that. Ian McCall, this is why boxing can't have nice things. He just, yeah, that's an odd post-fight interview from him. Still had the towel on his head that that whole time. I mean, again, that's just that was just odd. And again, I'm not I'm not saying anything. You know, I don't think it was dirty. I don't think he took a dive or anything. But that was just odd. I I wish I had a better. Uh, adjective uh, for it. According to the Fight Ghost, PBC uh, is now in total control of the heavyweight straps. This is not good. Yeah, this feel <laughs> this feels like what MMA would be if Paul Buentello won the UFC title. <laughs> uh, Don't again, fear Andy Ruiz. Fear the consequences. Another one from the Fight Ghost. Rematch clause in effect. Hearn days Joshua Ruiz 2 in UK November. I wonder if... Oh, God. This is going to sound so stupid. But I wonder if he didn't take proper preparatory action relative to fighting in the States for the first time. I mean, again, there's a there's a time difference. There's... I mean, he lives... like he He's fought in London, so it's, I'm not going to claim it's an air quality thing. But... I don't know, man. I just... I wonder if I wonder if the, if there was something about the location that threw him off or so some Kurt, accommodation he has in the UK that he didn't have here that messed up what he was go messed up his prep work. This in from Cody Rhodes, Holy Ruiz, and then he post he posted a gif of the rock from Jumanji going wow. All right, good for him, I guess. <laughs> Um, that's it. That's kind of all I got from Twitter at this point. All right. Yeah, uh, he's really happy. Joshua looks like he he has the ambiance of a man who won the fight. Okay. That is so weird. 
Anyway. And this this in from J- JBL, the Mexican Rocky. I love this. Pretty boy just got his ass handed to him. Good shit, pal. Yeah, JBL is useless. <laughs> this in from Ian McCall again. If you're managed by Eddie Hearn or thinking about it, run. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Pat. Any final words before we say goodnight on this very weird podcast? Okay, I'm not looking at my computer. I don't know if we lost Pat. Robert, any last words before we say goodnight on this very weird podcast? Uh, Uh, I was on mute and didn't realize it because I was trying to listen to Joshua's interview. Ah, okay. Weird interview. It It was very, very strange. He's... He's on drugs. Like, I'm sorry, there's... He's on drugs, or he was paid a lot of money to lose this fight. <laughs> so this in from one of our friends in a group chat. Why is Luis Gooman the, the champ? It's <laughs> a fair question. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> no, in all, in all seriousness, he's either, he's either on drugs or he took a dive. He looks, and I'm betting, it's, I'm betting it's drugs. He looks less like Luis Goon and more like Julio Iglesias. Uh, not Julio. Um, what's his face, Iglesias? Fluffy. Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel Iglesias, yeah. Sorry, we had to run through like four or five <laughs> Iglesias. Because Anthony Joshua was on meth. If he were on meth, he'd be more awake. I. No, his eyes are super dilated. He's awake. He just doesn't care. Um, I'm going. This is pills. The, the he's on like Dilaudid and shit, Roxycontin. Oxy. He found those old. He found them quaaludes. Because it's the seventies. Why not? Well, do they even make quaaludes anymore? <laughs> no, but they just get more potent with time. No, he no he's he's no. on meth. No, no, he's not on meth. I've seen meth. He's on opiates. Opiates or opioids? Opioids. They're the same thing. Um, Oh, how dare (laughs) you, sir. And I call you a medical health professional. I can no longer refer to you as such. He's on Dilaudid or uh, pain pills. He's on some sort of opiate. All right. I like that Andy Ruiz has the AR because it reminds me of Ace Romero. <laughs> I hope Ace Romero accompanies him to the ring and uh, Barrington Hughes accompanies Deontay Wilder. That's what we need. Uh, one more time. Pat, final words. Go. Kids, this is why you don't do drugs. Or if you do drugs, you don't do them at certain times. That way it doesn't hurt you. Uh, yeah, re- yeah, getting ready for a heavyweight title fight is not a good time to be uh, imbibing. Um, okay, so this was a bizarre night. Uh, tomorrow, we will review NXT 25, All Hail the Superkick. The, uh, otherwise known as the Death of the Finisher. Otherwise known as NXT TakeOver 25. 
It's Godzilla week all week long here on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network. We've got uh, we're already up in the archives. I made the mistake of having my kids on a podcast. Remind me never to do that again. No, uh, no, we should try that again. Have you listened to it? No, not yet. It's was... a nightmare. <laughs> it's... Well, that matches the movie you were talking about then. So my son who couldn't take the fact that my daughter was getting too much, was getting all the attention because she could actually, believe it or not, make a coherent point every now and then about the movie, decided he was just going to scream through the whole thing uh, and make r- ridiculous sound effects. So there's, th- 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 there's that. Um, or he would if someone would say something, he would then go, he would then say, I'm that, and, you know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, so there's my son screaming in the background. My daughter, who overtalked over Alexis and Jesse until, until I finally changed it so that she could hear them, and then she only talked over them half the time. Um, but a case small child, they think they have the most interesting points. They really yeah, do. Mark. That's why you gotta throw kids in a garbage can. Um, well, I don't want to do that. I like my daughter, but. I don't think she's quite ready for the podcasting world. Just I yet. like how you left your son out of that <laughs> statement. Um, so anyway, uh, you can go ahead and check out this nightmare of a podcast that we did, a commentary over Godzilla 1998. Terrible I now, movie. Which I now have to rewatch. Um, no, before, no, save yourself. We are on trial this Thursday. In the meantime, we've got a review of Godzilla, King of Monsters, uh, on January Hollywood, we've got the comic book. Here's a spoiler book. for that movie. Mark hated it. I loved it. No, that's I, how these things go. No, I enjoyed it. It was a it was a fun movie. Godzilla, the most recent New Godzilla. One? Yeah, yeah. Hey, the autistic oh, right. the autistic kid I brought with us uh, didn't think it was too bad. Oh God, why did you have to bring that into this? Nobody cares. <laughs> Fantastic. Um. In the middle of all this Godzilla-ness, we've got uh, Jesse's one pick on the Metal Hammer of Doom this year, a Legion, Apoptosis. And then uh, we take a break on Friday. No podcasts on Friday. No uh, no podcasts on Saturday. And then we pick things up again Monday, June 10th with the Dark, Fe- with, uh, the Dark Phoenix slash X-Men week. We've got X-Men, the Dark Phoenix saga. Otherwise, did you, did you see Cl- the... Did you see the news about why there were so many reshoots for this crappy, crappy movie? No. No, please, please, please go on. Apparently their ending was basically the same ending as Captain Marvel. Terrific. And they just couldn't have two movies that close together and with a glowing woman flying off into space. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So we have the Dark Phoenix, or otherwise known as Chris Claremont is a wordy bitch on Monday. Yeah, uh, we've got. There's Dark honestly, Fe- there may not be a bigger shitbag writer in comics than Chris Claremont. I don't know. Tom King seems to be taking that mantle up these days. Go, go, go ahead and fucking come at me, X nerds, you fucking bunch of queers. <laughs> Safe to call. I'm pretty sure there's not a lot of overlap between X Men fans and people who are going to listen to us comment on a boxing match badly. I don't think anyone's listening anymore. Um, anyway, so we've got a review of Dark Phoenix on June 11th. Rob's going to join us for uh, a review of Oakley Doakley Howdly Toodley, and then right on, on arenas. And then on Thursday, we'll have an on trial for X Men Three: The Last Stand, the first stand yeah. by doing a cinematic Dark Phoenix movie. Uh, no, nothing on Friday. Nothing Seriously, 
guys, X Last Stand was really, really bad, and for some reason, the same writers are t- did the did this one. Who well, thought this was not. a good idea? So is it three... really the same writing team? Someone, someone is. Uh, there is someone on. There is a person. I don't know if it was a writer who's now the director or a writer who's once again a writer. There was something like that, but yeah, you have one of the same principles that was involved with X3, who just really decided, you know what, let's try this again once more with feeling. It's good shit, pal. So on uh, Saturday, June 9th, we've got uh, Josh Warrington versus Kid Galahad. We've got uh, Mar- uh, Maurice Bredis versus Christoph Glocky on DAZN, and Tyson Fury versus Tom Schwartz. On ESPN Plus, can I? Mark, I... we could finally have a Jewish heavyweight champion. <laughs> Terrific. Well, which one would that be? Oh, Tom Schwartz. Was yeah, that we've had them. We, hang on, we've had Jewish heavyweight champions before, just way, way back in the day. So does that mean we're going to do boxing coverage of that? Huh? 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 It's absolutely not. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all three of those boxing matches we're not bothering to cover, correct? God no. <laughs> Terrific. I mean, look, Mark, if you want to put yourself through the pain of watching them, I can't control what you do with your free time. Oh, no, I, I, would, I would rather watch Ken Shamrock versus Dan Severn two four times in a row. The following week, we've got Andrew Graham making a special appearance on Source Material. We're going to look at Gotham Central, book one. We'll have, uh-huh. uh, we'll have a review of Dan Mew Hollywood, Men in Black International. We'll be, uh. we'll be reviewing the new rom- Hang on. Men in Black International might not be the worst thing ever. We'll have a review of Rammstein's new album, self-titled album, Rammstein. Oh, Mark, just cut my wrist now, please. <laughs> and then finally, all of us nerds are getting together to complain about the rest of you as we do a Screaming Boy podcast entitled Toxic Fandoms. That's right, we're going to complain about fans. So God, be- this is just the worst of everything. This is the worst lineup I've ever heard. Eh, second. Uh, so, the following week, we've got uh, Heroes in Crisis on source material. Mark, let me, let me get on that, that screaming boy with uh, complaining about fandoms, for the love of Christ. Sure. Um, you can join the, the rest, all 12 of us are going to be on that one. Uh, uh, we all pick one. Is there only one <laughs> fandom I can call out and tell they're terrible? Uh, we'll be reviewing Toy Story 4 on June 25th, the new uh, Amon Amon <laughs> on June 26th. And then... uh, believe me, there's a reason that when you said that's the worst lineup I've ever heard, I went, it's not. <laughs> and then, uh, well, Jesse and I will be reviewing Black Mirror Season 5 on June oh, 27th. Uh, the boxing that... The boxing that weekend is Charlo versus Adams. Huh? Huh? No. All right. <laughs> Mark, I don't think you understand. I'm never doing a boxing show again. Okay. And then we finally end this this series of podcasts for the for the for this month with Jessica Jones, Volume Two: The Secrets of Maria oh. Hill. <laughs> the last, it just gets worse. The last of the Red Hot uh, Netflix Netflix Marvel series. It. Do you not want people to listen? <laughs> Jessica Jones, <laughs> Season 3, uh, on TV Party Tonight, J- J- July 2nd. And then, finally, the last plug of the night, uh, we'll be reviewing up the new Upon a Burning Body on the Metal Hammer of Doom. You really don't want people to listen. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that one will do fine. 
This is like Mark's trying to tank the whole fucking thing because he's going to go on sabbatical for a minute. So he's, he's... Mark's no, pulling just... a Joshua. No, I'm pre- just... I'm bringing my computer into the hospital. I'm, so I'm... this is this is Mark trying to blame his illness for the declining quality of shows, <laughs> so that when he gets better, like he'll rebound so tremendously and that I people want... try to give him credit for this. No, I want in reality. Go ahead. He's, he's... He's producing the Rattlish and Broadcasting Network equivalent of WWE 2019. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, now I almost want to read the July calendar just to see if I can have Pat have a stroke. Uh, go for there's, it. There's a fucking belt like around my neck right now. It's not tight, but it can be real quick. July <laughs> July 8th, we've got a source material. Ultimate Spider-Man, Volume 4, Legacy. God. <laughs> We've got uh, a review of Far From Home on Tuesday. The new, uh, the new Glory Hammer on uh, July 10th, and then an on trial for Spider-Man Three because we've already done uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two, so I can't do that one again. Oh God, that's fucking awful. Uh, on July 15th, we've got a source material: Doom Patrol, uh, 2016, Volume One, Brick by Brick. We've got a damn you Hollywood for the movie Crawl. We've got a new Texas Hippie Coalition on the Metal Hammer of Doom. And then we've got a TV party for the DC Universe Doom Patrol on July 18th. Hey, there's a Pacquiao fight versus uh, Thurman on July 20th. Huh? Pat? Huh? So, everybody, I'd like you to know that the number is 1-800-273-8255 for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I want you guys all to know... That even somehow with this shitty lineup, someone somewhere is listening. So again, that number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five or one eight hundred two seven three talk. On July twenty second, we've got Cloak and Dagger, Shades of Grey from twenty eighteen. Oh, see my message five seconds before this. <laughs> we've got a review of the Lion King, the live action Lion King that's coming out. We've got a review of Sabaton, The Great War. Uh, and then we've got a TV party for Cloak and Dagger Season 2. And then finally, on July 29th, we've got DC versus Hanna-Barbera 3. We've got a review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from Quentin Tarantino. We've got a review of the new L7, Scatter the Rats. And then an on-trial, uh, and then an on-trial August 1st for Pulp Fiction. Just, I mean... Like, I get that, like, just because you have cancer, like, <laughs> why do you want everyone else to? Should I, should I, should I do August? No. No? This, this bit is done? This, this is just the worst shit I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, well. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. This is just terrible. Like, I listen to this stuff. I'm not going to listen to any of this. Okay. I'm... Like, it's so bad. I will say this. Pat convinced me that we will be doing a TV party uh, in October. October 3rd. We'll be doing it for BH90210. Yeah, so 90 babies. Come on out and have some fun because from July to October, it's a whole lot of uh, find other stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, there's some decent stuff in there. Is there really? Yeah, we got Hannibal yeah. Season 3 on September 3rd. But we also have Shira season three on September twelfth. Yeah. What? You you just had to undercut your own point there, didn't you? You just couldn't take the win. Here, Hannibal season three, great show. 
Great season of a great show. Just couldn't leave it there. Couldn't do it. And then what's the, what show after Hannibal? Shira, season three. Oh, for fuck's sake, Mark! Why are you still reviewing that? You want to you want to capture that point oh four percent of the population of the world? Those shows, believe it or not, the Shira shows do very well. Yeah, I'm not surprised because you know why? They all want to hear some shit. This is I'm okay. You're okay. I'm special. We're all just a bunch of special little fuckers. <laughs> Fucking losers. You realize? Do you realize that Shira killed the Masters of the Universe franchise? And I'm not even kidding about that. How's that? Okay, not to get into a whole thing, but the Masters of the Universe toy line and cartoon show was hot, hot property, and then all of a sudden they came up with She-Ra, and as soon as they came up with She-Ra, and I'm not making this up, sales on everything Masters of the Universe declined, because now girls were into it, and the target demographic of Masters of the Universe was like, I don't want to fucking play with girls, how is there a girl like He-Man, this is bullshit, I don't want to get involved in this, fuck He-Man, I'm done. And that was it. And then all the fucking toy stores that were loaded with the Masters of the Universe line cut prices on all the action figures to like three ninety nine clearance, put them all on the end caps, and then when they thought the damage had, you know, sufficiently went away, and they tried this uh, He-Man in space deal in 1990, no, the cancer was still there. So they, they, remade, they remade it in 2002, and it was fine, because they didn't do the She-Ra shit, and now they're just remaking She-Ra, because they assume if they remade He-Man, they would have to do that, and He-Man would just die a horrible death. Yeah, there's actually... Uh, I don't know if you ever watched this series, Mark, but there's a Netflix documentary series called The Toys That Made Us. Yep, I've, I've gotten through part of it. Yeah, the, the episode of Masters of the Universe goes into a bit of that. Interesting. See? So, again, not lying. Also, okay. uh, you know... Uh, she Ra's for queers. What do you want to say? That's le- that's legitimately the audience. She Ra's there for queers. People who can't figure out what bathroom to use. She Ra, yeah. Okay. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed this uh, presentation of a uh, TV party tonight extra boxing commentary. If you want to have your your spirits uplifted, Google Weird Alf Yankovic, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the second time in two days he's been brought up on one of my podcasts. It happens more than you think. All right, folks, that's it. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>